Good morning, everyone. I hope you're doing well this morning. Uh, my name's Todd, for those of you I don't know, and uh, I'm, I'm glad you're here this morning. I'm glad you have chosen to uh, worship with us here at Hilton Head Island Community Church. And uh, before we dive in this morning, uh, I just want to pray and ask God to bless our time and be with us and lead us and guide us as I sense he already is this morning. So let's pray if you would. God, we thank you so much for this, this day. It's your day. It's the day that we should rejoice and be glad in, God. And I pray that we do that as your people. I pray today that you're high and lifted up and that you're pleased with our worship, God. Father, I pray that you, as Cynthia just also prayed, God, that you would guide and direct our minds and our hearts and our lives this morning. I pray in the strong name of Jesus and by the power of the Holy Spirit that you would give us the ability to focus on what you want us to hear from you today. Regardless of where we are in our spiritual story, Holy Spirit, I pray that you would speak to us in a fresh and a new, in a very real way this morning. Help us not to be distracted, but help us to be focused on you and your word and what you have planned for us and God, I pray that my words will not be mine, but I pray that they will be yours. In Jesus' name I pray, amen, amen. Well, we all have a story, don't we? We all have a story to tell. Uh, you know this because when you get on a plane, what happens? The first time that you sit down next to someone who happens to be a very outgoing person, what do they do? They tell you their story, don't they? I mean, every little detail, right? Some of you are like, please don't let me sit next to that person on the plane. I just want to sleep for the next hour and a half. I just want to read for the next hour and a half. And some of you are the ones that share your story, aren't you? Like, this is a stranger. <laughs> some of you just raised your hand over here. That was funny. <laughs> you are definitely the one that shares your story. Okay, so, and I am too. I admit that. Um, but there are those who love to share their story and, and those who, you know, are a little more timid, a little more shy about it. But um, we all have a story to tell, don't we? We, we all have a story. I, we, we love to share our story, and there are interesting and unique uh, things about our story. Each of you, each of us, um, we have something that is unique about our own personal story. And, and I'm not just talking about, you know, where you were born and, and how you grew up and who you married or who you haven't married. Um, and I'm not talking about that. You know, I'm not talking about your kids, although I'm sure that there are some very unique things about that part of your story. But for the next four weeks... What I want us to do is I want to begin to have us to begin to think about our story from a spiritual perspective, our spiritual story, the story of our faith journey. And each of you, please, I want you to capture this. Please don't miss this. Each of you have a story to tell in terms of your faith. Each of you have a spiritual story. doesn't matter where you are right now with God, uh, you have a story. Some of your stories, in terms of your spiritual story, uh, have just begun. Perhaps over the past few weeks, uh, you have connected with God in a, in a real and, and unique and, and interesting way, and you've made a decision for Christ. Your spiritual story really has just begun, hasn't it? For some of you, your story began a long time ago, and for a long period of time, the story got a little old and stale, didn't it? And recently, maybe over the past couple weeks or months or maybe even years, um, your story was kind of renewed. 
your spiritual story was renewed. Maybe you've made a recommitment to God, or maybe there's one area of your life that you were kind of holding back from God for a long time, and you've allowed him into that area of your life right now, and God's writing a whole new story um, in your life right now. Some of you are in here today, and, and, and you're, you're skeptical of God. You're, you're kind of maybe curious in a, in, a, in a skeptical way, and your story maybe hasn't really begun yet. So some of your spiritual stories involve pain, maybe even some kind of suffering. Uh, some of your spiritual stories in, involve something that you went through that was a major crisis in your life that brought you to the place where God is writing this new story into your life. And it doesn't matter where you are kind of on the spiritual continuum, whether you're heading towards God or whether you're heading away from him or whether you're just kind of ambivalent uh, about God or whether you just, you know, maybe just don't care or you're self-reliant or whatever. We all are a part of a spiritual story. And so I want you to begin today, even right at the outset, to begin to think about your life through the spiritual lenses, through spiritual stories, because your spiritual story, just like some of those characters you saw in the intro video, your spiritual story can make a big difference in someone's life. And I think we don't realize that often enough. I want to answer the question today, why is my story so important? Why in the world is my story so important? And I'll bet if you stop and begin to think about your story, it begins with someone inviting you to church or maybe a long time ago to a Sunday school class or a life group or a group or maybe a concert or a movie or an event or maybe somebody just started talking to you about God and about his son Jesus. That's the beginning of all of our spiritual stories. It begins with the person or the people who introduced us to God in the first place, doesn't it? I know from mine, it was my first grade teacher. I, I'm, I, I don't really even remember her name. I think it might have been Miss Lewis. That's terrible. I don't remember my first grade teacher's name. But I remember this about my first grade year. We had moved. My family had moved. It was our first move from Tampa to Atlanta. And I was in a new city. I was in a new place, and I was really uncomfortable. And in this new place, my parents sent me to a Christian school, and in, in the first grade, in my first grade classroom, uh, I, I prayed to accept Jesus Christ as my Savior because that teacher introduced me to this man named Jesus who came to die for our sins. And that was at six years old, or maybe seven years old, that was the first time that I really made a decision for Jesus Christ. My first decision for him was to accept him as my Savior. And so this first grade teacher that I had be helped me begin my own spiritual story. And before that, my parents had a huge role in that. They were both Christ followers. Some of you have parents who are Christ followers. Some of you don't. And our parents may have a, a big involvement in that. My grandparents had a huge involvement. My grandparents on my mother's side had a huge involvement in my own spiritual story. And so I bet that if you stop for a moment, you can think about some of the people in your life who helped begin your spiritual story, or for some of you, you might be able to recognize that there are people right now in your life that are helping begin your spiritual story. Isn't that cool? 
It begins with someone introducing us to the idea that God redeemed mankind from our sins. He redeemed humanity from our sins. And in some form or fashion, whether it was at six years old or 66 years old, maybe you were introduced at some point in time to this one called Jesus. When I was six years old, I made that decision. But my story didn't stop there because at six, I don't think I really totally grasped all that God had done for me through Jesus. I don't think I really fully understood all that God did. And so as my life kind of uh, began to progress and as I got older, there were different people in middle school and late elementary and middle school. There was a guy by the name of Mr. Fleming. We had moved again from Atlanta to Orlando. And my life was kind of up and down because we moved so much. And we moved to Orlando and a guy by the name of Mr. Fleming would take me out on the golf course and he would tell me about God and he would tell me about Jesus. It was wonderful. I remember those uh, days with him. Um, with great detail. And then as I got older, I got introduced, moved back to Atlanta. Wow, we moved a lot. Moral of the story, you're going to be like, Todd moved a lot when he was young. And we did. And my dad wasn't in the military, if you can believe that, sales. But anyway, we moved again to Atlanta, and my spiritual story continued with a guy that I met in middle school by the name of Jeff Cranston. He's been my spiritual mentor for all of these years, and he's the pastor of Low Country Community Church that helped get our church started. And so you probably have someone in your life who connected you to God and began that spiritual story. But here's the deal about what's my story. Is sometimes we can make the, the connection, I want you to hear this, that, that you can make the connection that somebody in your past connected you to God. And, and that's, that's great and, and that's very meaningful for all those people in my life had a huge part in my life. And I'm sure that in your life, those people are very meaningful. The problem is, here's the problem. Here's the, the, the problem that we are going to solve over the next four weeks. The problem or the challenge that we have is that we don't make the next leap to the fact that we can be a part of someone else's spiritual story. Are you with me this morning? You see, we fail sometimes, I believe, to make the leap from our spiritual story and the people that poured into us that we can now make the leap and we can pour into someone else. Everybody real uncomfortable already? <laughs> this is where we're going over the next four weeks. And it's going to be a little uncomfortable. And for some of you, it's going to be very challenging. But I believe that God can use each of your spiritual story to influence someone else in a real, positive, powerful, unique way. And so I am thrilled and excited about these next few weeks. And we're going to learn something. We're going to kind of start um, with really learning just some basics about what it means to share our story and what does it look like from God's word. And so I want you to take those notes that you were given when you walked in. Some of you are already online. You can check them out online if you have an iPhone or some kind of Apple device. Yes, we are Apple only around here, but not for much longer. So anyway, uh, you can check that out online. You can get the notes. I want us to dive in, and I really want us to discover today what God's word has to say about us sharing our story. And so today is very foundational. Um, it's very foundational, but we're going to start today, you're going to have an assignment, 
How do you like that? You're like, school hasn't started yet. I'm in church. I did not want an assignment. But you're going to leave today with an assignment because I want us to begin to work on this even now, even today. And over the next four weeks, we're going to be working on preparing to share our spiritual story. Let's dive into the notes this morning and learn a few basics about what God's word says about sharing our story. The first thing is this, is we have the privilege to share the message of Jesus Christ with those around us. We have the distinct privilege to share the message of Jesus Christ with those around us. Now, for some of you, that is a basic principle, and you're like, I didn't come to church today to learn that. I already knew that. But I believe that we forget sometimes that one word, that it is a privilege, that it's a privilege. It's a privilege for us to be able to tell someone about our spiritual story. So my key question that, that, uh, that we want to jump out with here in the beginning is, are you thankful that someone shared the message with you? Because I want you to make that leap that somebody poured into you and that you're responsible now. You, you need to pour that out into someone else. And I want to take a look at a couple passages to see how Jesus did this, how we can learn from the challenge of the great commission that he gave the church, that he gave all of us who call ourselves Christ followers. Because I want you to hear this today. Jesus' mission for those of you who are here today, who call yourselves Christians, who say that you're a Christ follower, who claim to know Jesus Christ as your Savior and you made a decision, for those of you who are, who are here today like that, you and I, we have a mission that God gave us. He gave all of the church, and that doesn't mean the church in general, that doesn't mean the organized church only. He gave the church, meaning all of you who call yourselves Christ followers, the distinct mission to reach out into the world and share the message of the gospel. Look at Matthew 28, 19 and 20. Look at Matthew 28, 19, and 20 with me this morning. This is where Jesus gave the message or gave the commission or the mission of the church, of those of us who call ourselves Christ followers. Look at verses 19 and 20 this morning. Go therefore, he says, to all of his disciples who were gathered and to us today, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, verse 20, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, and behold, I will be with you to the very end of the age, Matthew 19 and 20. That is the Great Commission. To go, and by the way, the word there, go, literally means in the original language, as you are going. <laughs> you know what it means? It means as you are living your life. As you are living your life, make disciples and share the good news. That's what he's saying there. Make disciples and teach. Now, here at Hilton Head Island Community Church, we have a mission that mirrors that Great Commission. It's this, to passionately share the message of Jesus Christ and lead people to follow him. To passionately share the message of Jesus Christ and to lead people to follow him. That is really a reflection of the Great Commission. That is what, that is what we here at Hilton Head Island Community Church are to be about. At the end of the day, if we do something and at the end of the day it doesn't fit into that mission some way and somehow we failed. And that's why we do community outreach. 
We don't do community outreach just to help other people, although that's important and God tells us to, doesn't he? We talked about that a lot in Micah when we studied the minor prophet Micah a few weeks ago. The the New Testament is full of um, encouragement and commands for us to reach out in our community. But if it doesn't tie back some way, somehow to this, the Great Commission, then we're missing the mark. Listen, I'm going to let you know that we, we have some incredible new partnerships that we're planning for the fall for us as a church to reach out in our community. It's so exciting. I'm not going to announce them now except for one of them. We're going to be um, doing um, barbecue crew for the school teachers at four of the different schools in our area, Christian Academy, um, the middle school, the high school, and the early childhood uh, uh, education center. We're going to be doing those in August. Some of the other schools are going to be doing later in the fall where we're going to go on a teacher work day and we're going to cook burgers and dogs for the teachers. And isn't that awesome? And we're going to have fun, aren't we? We're going to have fun. And there's information today that you can connect with at the guest service desk to be a part of that. But, but, it all really is for not other than we help teachers, which is great. That's awesome. But if we don't develop relationships that ultimately lead to us doing what Jesus said, then we've really missed the, the mark, haven't we? I mean, it's, it's great to feed our teachers. I, I, I don't know about you, but our, our teachers work incredibly hard. And, and the administrators in our school, they, they work endless, endless hours. They are pouring into your children and, and my children. And it's awesome that we get to do that. And we don't, we don't go there to evangelize. We don't go there to share the message. But we, we make these community connections so that you and I will have the opportunity to develop relationships that we prayerfully hope will turn into people who make decisions for Jesus. That's really what it's all about. Man, it's no strings attached ministry. We tell them that. We're not going to pass out anything. We don't do anything like that. But it's an opportunity for you and I to develop relationships with people who influence our children in the community. And we have an opportunity then to share the message of Jesus Christ with them. That's our passion. That's our mission, to passionately share the message of Jesus Christ with those around us. It's the gospel message it's the gospel, and I want to talk about that word gospel because a lot of you, when you hear that, maybe you kind of shudder because you grew up in a church where you heard that word um, gospel, and it may have had maybe a negative connotation. Let me just tell you what it is. It's a word that in the Greek, if you look at it from a biblical perspective, it's a word that in the Greek literally means the good news. It's the good news. That is the gospel Euangelion is the word in the Greek. We get evangelism from that. That's where we get our word evangelism. And when you combine it with the next word I want to take a look at, you'll understand why. You see, the good news, I mean, the gospel is the good news. Now, let me stop for a moment. Here's why we're talking about this in context of your story and my story. It's because if you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior, you are part of the good news story. Are you with me on that? Like if you have made a decision to accept Jesus as your Savior, whether you are young like I was or whether you're in the later years of your life, you notice I didn't say old, if you're in the later years of your life and you have asked Jesus to be your Savior recently, you are a part of the gospel story. You're a part of the good news because you have been redeemed 
And because you've made that decision to say yes to Jesus, when you die one day, you're going to be in heaven with him. That's what he promises. That's really good news, isn't it? It's just that simple. It's good news. It doesn't scare you anymore, does it? When you hear that word gospel, that's literally what it means. Let me, let me show you what Jesus did. Verse, uh, Matthew 4, verse 23. Jesus, in his ministry, he ministered mainly, not in Jerusalem. A lot of people think that he ministered in Jerusalem. He did, but his, his ministry center was kind of based out of there. But he ministered in Galilee, a little bit north of Jerusalem. And verse 23 of Matthew 4 says this, And he went throughout all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues. And what's that next word? And... Okay, we can do much better than that. It's a word that it means to shout, okay? So, and proclaiming, awesome, that's great. And proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction among the people. I want to key down and I want to focus on that word proclaiming because that's what Jesus did with the gospel. Obviously, he was on mission for God. He was God's son. And he was proclaiming the gospel message. The word that's used in the original Greek literally means to speak with your mouth. That's what Jesus was doing. And that's what he intends for us to do with the gospel message. He intends for you and for I to proclaim, to speak with our mouths the gospel message. And so a community outreach event is awesome and it's fun. A blog post that talks about Jesus and what he's done is great. Uh, it, it's, it's awesome. You know, writing a, writing a message to someone is great. But the way, church, I want you to hear this. This is for those of you who are Christ followers. The way that God intended for us to share the good news is with our mouth. And I just want to level the playing field here this morning. It doesn't matter whether you are an introvert or an extrovert. And it doesn't matter whether you are gregarious or whether you are just kind of, you know, inward and, and, and quiet and shy. Sharing your story is not always easy. We create fear and we create trepidation and we create this idea that it is scary to share our spiritual story or to engage with someone about spiritual things. And it doesn't matter whether you're outgoing or not, it still is that way. It doesn't matter whether you are trained or not, it's still scary. It doesn't matter whether you're a pastor or whether you're just a volunteer in a church. It doesn't matter. Sharing with our mouth the gospel message can be intimidating, and that's what these next four weeks are all about. I want us as a church to be prepared to do just that. I want us to be prepared to do just that that so that we have the opportunity and the privilege to share the message of Jesus Christ. Second point today, we have the greatest potential to connect others to the message. Point number two, we have the greatest potential to connect others to the message of Jesus Christ when we share our story of what he has done in our lives. You see, I think that sometimes we make up, I know I do, and I'm, I'm in the same boat with you. Sometimes we make up the story that we have to know everything about God's word. That we have to, you know, have gone to, to Bible school or seminary or classes or whatever to, to really be prepared to, to share the story. 
But, but I, I want to tell you something today. Your story of your changed life will have the greatest impact on someone you know. Your story about, a, about your changed life and how God's changed your life will have the greatest impact on someone in terms of them coming to Jesus Christ. We, we see this in a great story in the book of Acts. I love Acts, and so we're, we're going to look at Acts 4 here. I, I love this boldness of, of Peter and John. Let's, let's kind of walk through this, and I, I may skip around a little bit, but we're going to look generally at verses 13 through 31 and see how they understood that their story made an impact and, and what God was doing in their life made an impact. Look at verse 13 of Acts chapter 4. Now, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, let, let me back up for a moment. These men were very bold, but they were causing a stir in society. And there were a lot of people that wanted to silence these first Christians, uh, Peter and John being some of them. So when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated, common men, they were astonished. These people that were watching their lives, that were witnessing their lives, were astonished because they were like, dude, John and Peter are making this kind of difference? Like, this is Bubba and his buddy, you know, Bo, in the woods, fishing. Literally, they were fishermen. Like, these guys didn't go to high school or even elementary school. You know what I mean here? And God is using them they were astonished. They were astonished. They were real people just like you and me. But God was doing something in them that was attractive to other people. Are you with me on that? Like God was doing something that was amazing. Verse 14, but seeing the man who was healed, they had healed this man that was standing beside them. They had nothing to say in opposition. You see, the ruling leaders of that day, the Jewish leaders and the Roman leaders, were scared to death because John and Peter and the rest of these kind of early church fathers, they were doing amazing things, and God was allowing them to heal other people, and, and people were, were you know, being healed of sicknesses and, and rising from the dead, and all this amazing, miraculous stuff was going on. And they were astonished that these uneducated men were doing it, but they looked at the miracle that they had done, and... and they had nothing to say in opposition. Verse 15. But they had commanded them to leave the council. This is who they were in front of. They conferred with one another saying, what shall we do with these men? For that a notable sign has been performed through them is, what's that next word? Evident. It's evident to all the inhabitants of Jerusalem and we cannot deny it. The people who were bringing charges against John and Peter in this situation essentially said to themselves, there is so much evidence that God is at work in them that we can't deny it. We can't deny it. Their story made an impact on the ruling leaders of that day. Are you with me on that? Their story, God's work in them, had an impact on influencers Verse 17, but in order that we may spread no further among them, among the people, let us warn them to speak no more to anyone in this name. So they called them and they charged them not to speak or to teach at all in the name of Jesus Christ. Listen, um, th there, there is going to be opposition that you will face. Um, it may not be from 
an authority like the council there in Jerusalem, the Jewish council in Jerusalem, or the Roman council. We'll take a look at that in a moment. But you will face opposition when you're sharing the message of Jesus Christ. It may come directly from the person that you're sharing with. It might come from people from the outside. It might come from your friends or, or even your family. We have to be ready to be able to stand up against that opposition. Verse 19, but Peter and John answered them, whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you rather than God, you must judge. And then look at verse 20, for we cannot speak of what we have seen or heard. We cannot but speak. I left out a very important word, but we cannot but speak of what we have seen or heard. These men couldn't keep it inside the work that God had done in their lives and in the lives of the people around them. They couldn't keep it inside. And if we were to read on, which we're not going to do for time's sake today, you would see that they end up, they end up being freed, and they get together with the other disciples, with these other first Christians, and they pray for more boldness. Can you believe that? I mean, if you and I were jailed for speaking the good news, would we pray for more boldness afterwards? I don't think I would. Maybe peace. Maybe that I wouldn't get arrested again, but I don't know if I'd pray for boldness. God was using what was going on in the lives of these first Christians in the first Christian church, and it was evident to people around them that God was at work. And so my second question to you today is, do you see evidence of Christ continually working in your life? Do you see evidence of Christ continually working in your life? God will use your story, but if he's not working your life, if he's not at work in your life, the first thing that you should do is you should begin to pray that God would do a fresh and a new work in your life. People cannot dispute the miraculous things and the miraculous continual working of Christ in your life. They cannot dispute it. These, these men who were being charged with these crimes, um, they couldn't find any evidence. They couldn't dispute that God was at work. And listen, those of you who are Christ followers today, if God is at work in your life, it is going to just bubble up. It's going to ooze out of you. And it's going to be undeniable. We used to hear this phrase all the time, and I've said it before. We used to hear it in our church in Atlanta. That which is most personal is most universal. It was actually a guy by the name of Carl Rogers who said it this way. He said, what is most personal is most universal. God working in your life can have the greatest impact on other people. Point number three, we have to be prepared to share our story with everyone that we meet. There's an amazing account in Acts chapter 26 of the Apostle Paul being arrested, and he ends up before King Agrippa, which is really like a governor over Judea. And he goes before Agrippa, and we're going to look in the coming weeks at the story that he tells, but I want you to capture these first three verses of Acts 26. Look at this, verses 1, 2, and 3. Now, Paul has been arrested. He is being tried. He's been through several trials. And just like we talked about with Peter and John and just like Jesus, they're having a hard time finding why they can keep this man in jail. 
And so he goes before this king, Agrippa, who wants to meet him before Paul goes to meet Caesar. I think Agrippa kind of wanted an at-bat with him. Look at what happens in verse 1, 2, and 3. So Agrippa said to Paul, you have permission to speak for yourself. (laughs) That was all Paul needed. That was all he needed. You have permission to speak for yourself. That was all he needed in verse 2, the end of verse 1. It says, Paul stretched out his hand, and he made his defense. And in verse 2, he says, I consider myself fortunate that it is before you, King Agrippa, I'm going to make my defense today against all the accusations of the Jews, especially because you are familiar with the customs and controversies of the Jews. And then he says this, and I love this part. He says, therefore, I beg you to listen to me patiently. And as we'll find out in coming weeks, and we'll kind of take that next few verses and dissect it a little bit, Paul doesn't defend himself. Please don't miss this. He defends the work of God in him and through him. He defends the gospel with his mouth when asked to do it. And my question is, is how ready are you to do that? My guess is that you're probably not as ready as you should be. My guess is is that you probably haven't even considered, please hear this, that your story is important to someone else. That your story can make a difference in the life of someone else. So my key question is, is have I ever written my story or shared my story with someone else? Have I ever written my story or shared my story with someone else? And here's where the homework assignment comes in. All right? You ready, class? <laughs> this is the homework assignment for you today. We have a, a, a profile, a, a card, if you will, or a guide at guest services that I want to encourage and I want to challenge and I want each of you to go pick up today. You can also access it online at our website. You can go to hiltonheadislandcc.org slash what's your story. And over the next few weeks, it's front and back, two sides. And over the next few weeks, I want you to begin to prepare your story. This guide will help you do that. But here's the key for those of you who are Christ followers. My challenge to you is start today. Start today. There's a great story that Leighton Ford tells. He's the brother-in-law of Billy Graham. And he's also an evangelist. And he used to go in and he used to preach like before Billy Graham would preach um, back in the day that they used to uh, do their evangelistic conferences. And he writes in a book that he wrote about a story. And I want to read just an excerpt of it as we close. He says, I was speaking at an open-air crusade in Halifax, Nova Scotia. Billy Graham was to speak the next night, and he had arrived a day early. He came incognito. I love this. He came incognito, and he sat on the grass in the rear of the crowd. Because he was wearing a hat and dark glasses, no one recognized him. Directly in front of him sat an elderly gentleman who seemed to be listening intently, Leighton Ford writes, to my presentation. He used, he, it seemed like he was listening intently to my presentation. When I invited people to come forward as an open sign of commitment, Billy decided, remember he's incognito, he decided to do a little personal evangelism himself. So he tapped the man on the shoulder and asked, would you like to accept Christ? I'll be glad to walk, up, walk down there with you if you want to. And the old man looked up at Billy Graham, and he looked down, and he thought over it for a moment, and he said, nah, I'm just going to wait till tomorrow when the big guns are up. And Leighton Ford goes on to talk about how he and his brother-in-law joked about that over the years. The big guns 
and the little guns. Listen, I, I realize one of the greatest barriers to this is that you view yourself as a little gun in terms of your story. One of the greatest barriers is the confidence to be able to share because you think you're a little gun. You're not a little gun in terms of the gospel message. Your story can make a huge impact. There are times when I feel like a little gun, just like some of you. And then I watch my 10-year-old daughter, who twice over the past few weeks has invited friends and parents of friends to church. And then I don't feel like a little gun anymore. You're not a little gun. And in terms of your own personal story, what God has done and is doing in your life, all you have to be is willing and able and ready to tell your story. These next four weeks are about the ready. My challenge to each one of you is start today to prepare to share your story. Get that guide. Begin answering those questions. Begin to write your story. I think it'll be amazing just for you, the process of seeing God's work in your life. Father God, thank you so much that each of us have a story to tell about you working in our lives. And God, I pray for those who are here today that their story is not yet written. Their spiritual story isn't yet written. Oh God, I pray that someone who is in their life or something in their life would point them to you and that they would make a decision to accept you, Jesus, as their Savior. And God, I pray for the Christ follower who's in here today. And God, like I've had in my life in the past, um, there's maybe a lack of confidence or a lack of having the courage to share our story. God, I pray in the name of Jesus, that you would remove those barriers. And even if we think we're little guns in terms of sharing the gospel message, God, I pray that you would remove that mindset, that you would remove that barrier and help us to realize that our story really isn't about us. No, God, it's about you. It's about your work in all of humanity, specifically in us. And God, I pray that you would help us to today even begin to write the story of our relationship with you. And that we would be ready when someone asks us the question, hey, tell me about your life. What's your story? Help us to be prepared to tell it. And Father God, in the strong name of Jesus, I pray that you would help us to start preparing for that today. In Jesus' name, I pray.